Welcome to the Great Bass Tennis Podcast. This is your co-host, Andy Fitzell, alongside Steve Smith. Episode 49. This week, we are talking about our greatest mentor, Vic Braden. Next couple of weeks, a two-part series, most likely. Vic Braden. With our podcast, thanks for listening. We're, I think, closer to 100 hours than we are 50 hours. Yeah. I put on Facebook today an extract from John Fitzgerald Kennedy's remarks at a dinner awarding Nobel Prize winners mm. of the Western Hemisphere, quoting JFK. I think this is the most extraordinary collection of knowledge that has ever been gathered together at the White House, with the possible exception of when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. <laughs> Someone once said that Great Thomas quote. Jefferson was a gentleman of 32 who could calculate an eclipse, survey an estate, tie an artery, plan an atavasis, try a cause, break a horse, and dance a minuet. <laughs> when I th think of Vic Braden, I think of that quote from JFK because Vic Braden was Thomas Jefferson. I yeah. mean, just, I can remember walking around the Tyler Junior College campus we talked about, Tennis Tech. Not sure if we did Tennis Tech justice, but we did talk about it for two podcasts. Mm -hmm. That... You know, you walk across the college camp with Vic Braden, philosophy, psychology, could be AV, the audio video. Yeah. Um, physics department. Yep. You walk right in and take the class over. Yep. But pillar number eight, we have eight pillars. Um, our tennis course, Tennis Intelligence Applied, we mentioned over 100 coaches, but we have eight pillars. And we say Vic for last. We say that Vic is the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. All the others are ornaments and great, great, great ornaments. We certainly wouldn't be the same, not to um, underplay, underestimate the other seven pillars, but yeah, it is a beautiful tree. But Vic is the stand, and he's the star. Yeah. Um, I have an old resume here. I've got my Vic Braden, one of my Vic Braden Tennis College uh, from back in the day t-shirts, and I also have my Adidas three-stripe sort of polyester mix sweatpants on because that was Vic's deal. Vic, um, I can remember it was on the Vic Braden tennis staff. At one point, we were wearing head clothes, and then we started wearing Wilson clothes. But, yeah. But Vic, he had an Izod shirt. And yeah, the, the polo shirt. With, um, it was easy to buy him presents because it was like, hey, man, get your polo shirt. Vic was uh, born in Monroe, Michigan, August 2nd, 1929. Yeah. He died October 6th, 2014, 85 years old. Yeah. 85 years young, yeah. family of seven, but actually family of eight, one of his sisters. Um, she died basically after giving birth to her son, and then Vic's parents raised her son. Yeah, held the baby for one day. Wow, tragic. Melody's wife, um, and then they have, uh, Vic has five children. Um, with a few things about a sports background, he was a high school starting quarterback, junior, senior year. Um, starting guard in basketball. In tennis, he played high school, college, and pro tennis. He said that he was... Uh, played guy, baseball, too, in high school. Yeah, he says here in his resume, yeah. a Legion League, a catcher and a pitcher. Yeah. But, um, you know, played against people. You know, I remember he used to tell a story about playing Frankie Parker, a great player from Chicago. This guy does not miss. <laughs> but, um, you know, he thought he was a little bit cannon fodder. He was just in the... Eight, and that day, going first, second round yeah. in the tournament with the big boys. Yeah. Uh, table tennis player with 
Um, yeah, Vic to me, you know, licensed psychologist, self-made biomechanist, author, TV commentator, three-sport athlete, professional, um, or perhaps a world-class comedian. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where people know him from his from his humor. You know, he was such a great entertainer, really, as he edu- as he educated people. But a lot of times, and you say this a lot, that you know, sometimes people are just laughing so hard that the information goes right over their head. Yeah, no, I think Vic uh, was definitely misinterpreted. I don't know anyone who accumulated, assembled more tennis information. Yeah, John, jumping ahead on that, nineteen seventy five. One take only. Um, mixed doubles is a fantastic adventure. Go for a winner, yeah. name of the film. So good. And it really stands the test of time. And it's for all doubles. It's not just for mixed doubles by yeah. any means. Yeah. So I was living in Boca Raton, Florida. I was a perennial tennis bum. And I was asked if I would, on a Saturday and Sunday, play a film. And it was go for a winner. Yeah. And so I, the challenge was for me was loading and reloading the film <laughs> on the projector. But I, I just sat right there. That was my my duty as a volunteer. No, it stands and, the test of time. That video, no, for sure. I've played it many times, and but by, by I think that was a really really interesting experience for me because by watching that over and over again, um, just knew how knowledgeable he was. It, it was not just the jokes. Yeah, it was like you know, um, dun 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 dun. Well, yeah, just for example. Um, you know, who, why would you put the more consistent player in the deuce court, two right-handed players? Yeah. You know, the inside-out, backhand return, yeah. how it's it's really the left field. It's like the kid who can't play baseball, you put in right field. Yeah. So how more balls go to the, the deuce court, 85% of players are right-handed. Yeah. And they're they're running around the forehand, they're pulling across their body, and the ball goes to the deuce court. Yeah. 85% of players. Um Besides being right-handed, 85% of players are taught a really extreme grip, a strong, strong continental grip, even elbow in. Mm. Where's the racket face? Yeah. <laughs> it faces a deuce court. And yeah. it's a deuce court player. Vicky used to always say that, all the lines. A deuce court player is a player who makes the ad court player famous. And, you know, the people who really climb up the ladder generally have always played the ad court because when they were kids, they were always the best player. Mm. And the, the myth is the best player always plays the ad court yeah. because that's a game-ending point. But Vic's like, hey... Yeah. Um, how do you get to being up in the uh, in the ad court? You got to win that that deuce court point. Did you play the deuce court a lot then? Or uh, well, I, I played. Come on, with, Steve. That was a joke, man. Did I play deuce court a lot? <laughs> I, I played with a lefty. I played like Arthur Ashe's brother, Jack Ash. Oh yeah, good old Jack Ash. With uh, <laughs> Vic, um, he graduated from Monroe High School in 1947. Yep. I went to Kalamazoo College. 47 to 51, yeah. did graduate studies at the University of Toledo, um, got a master's at UCLA, and Vic is ABD, all but dissertation. He completed all his work, but when he told the uh, academicians, the authorities, that he wanted to prove that you could help a kid more on the playground, more on the athletic field, yeah. he was turned down. So he, he, he really never looked back on academia. But 57 years later, he got his... Honorary, honorary doctorate from K College. In, um, you know, Toledo was right next to Monroe. It was fun to talk to Scott Perelman, who was also from Monroe, Michigan. Mm-hmm. But Vic, um, um, actually, when we were talking to Leem Draxel, his, his father, Brian, Leem had a great run at the NCAs. I was just so impressed that his father 
remembered this photo, but then I found out that his, his Liam's dad played at the University of Toledo. But Vic has a picture of the basketball players. He got all the basketball players to play tennis, but they're up on a ladder yeah. and they take a string from the baseline. You got to be 14, 14, six to hit down on a serve. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was the assistant basketball coach, taught PE classes, and he was the head tennis coach. What he took, he took the uh, basketball players, and you imagine Vic Brady doing this, put the racket in the pizza's position, yeah. toss, tap, and run to the run net. To the net. Yeah, got him to go forward. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the uh, next thing Vic did is he was a sixth grade teacher. Yeah, Topanga um, Elementary School in Southern California. Got that here in some of my notes that I wrote down. But uh, sixth grade for three years, I believe it was. And what was really cool was, uh, I think it was 2010, is he had a reunion where all those, it was about 100 students came back, I think, you know, maybe 13 or so had already passed away. But they had a reunion and I was able to be there. It was just really, really cool to see the stories, but just, you know, the lives that Vic had affected. Um, as the people told their stories and got together, it was really great. And then I know it was a really special night for Vic and it was really cool for me to be there and experience that as well. So. No, the magic, the, the, the number one Pied Piper, how those people just had such affection for him so many years later. I think one story from, I think I was talking about this earlier, was uh, when he was an elementary school teacher and, and teaching sociology, um, geography a little bit, is they were reading about Haiti. And, and in the book, they were saying, oh, how, you know, Haiti, everything was great. And, you know, life was grand. And, and he was talking to his friend that was in Haiti. And he said, is this true? And he said, no, it's the opposite of that. You know, I couldn't believe that. And so what he did is he had the sixth grade kids ask questions on an audio tape. And then they sent that audio tape to Haiti to the kids. So the, his friend in Haiti had the kids then answer the questions to the tape and then they were able to hear it firsthand from the kids that, yeah, it's actually the opposite. And so that kind of got him going into more of that kind of research and all that kind of stuff. But it was a, a really important project that, that I remember him talking about a lot was uh, that experience. I know when I, I could not be at the memorial, the tribute they had for Vic, I know you were there yeah, okay. and one of his students uh, spoke you actually can listen to that on YouTube. And one of the students, there's a story uh, was, was shared, could only see out of one of eye, out of one eye. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to play center field on the baseball team. And Vic has got the fungal bat and he's hitting balls up. And, yeah. and uh, people were making, the teammates were making fun of him. So Vic got a patch and made every kid go out in the field, try to catch a ball with yeah. a patch over your it's eye. Classic. It's like, see? When I think of Vic as a sixth grade teacher, what he did when he taught the tennis unit, he filmed and recorded this. And then 25 years later had a reunion. And that's where the phrase traces of the old. Yeah. So then he interviews everyone and said, no, I haven't really, I haven't played tennis since the sixth grade. I haven't played <laughs> yeah. since we went through that course. Yeah. That six week uh, P class. Yeah. Segment. And, that's how powerful the brain is. Yeah. I mean, once you're programmed to deprogram, I think of a Jim Lair line I use often, it takes a stick of dynamite. Yeah. Now you said it's talking about people would go off to war or wherever it was and they'd come back and it was still there. It's like the, the cartoon, uh, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunners. <laughs> they, yeah. 
you put it, just think of having a kid who's got to change the, the, the grip on his forehand from Bud Collins. It, it's not Western. It's a, it's so far over as Hawaiian yeah. that have um, that's like you know stick R- of dynamite. Richard Schmidt, UCLA was one of the you know motor learning specialists where he would talk about yeah you've got to enter that zone where you get a little bit uncomfortable and once you can be comfortable being uncomfortable, which Vic used to always say, then you're going to be able to make some changes. The tape that Vic made with him on motor program is one of my favorite. Yeah, it's great. Um, he was a district psychologist in uh, Southern California, Hermosa Beach. Um, and then after that, you know, for eight years, he always tells people my job was to walk around and apologize <laughs> to anyone Pancho Gonzalez insulted. <laughs> yeah. What a different uh, set of personalities. Uh, Pancho Gonzalez and Vic Braden. But yeah, yeah. he managed the tour. Yeah, he, Jack Kramer. And then also that he had a stint at the, uh, the Jack Kramer Club where everything he touched turned to gold. That's yeah. an amazing story where Gene Austin, the late Gene Austin, Tracy's mother, I mean, family of five, all five were great tennis players. Four of the five children played on the tour. Yeah. And you know, Vic gave private lessons and, she, you know, the kids all, they had a player's lounge. And yeah. at one time I uh, was running a program extended long weekend in California and Elliot Telsher, who was a young player at the Jack Raymond tennis club. And he was there first with Vic and then with Robert Lansdorp, Robert Lansdorp came in and I think it was a perfect situation where you know, Vic is a technician, got the, all these young kids hitting the ball really well. Yeah. And then Robert is a taskmaster came yeah. in and they were, you know, really made for some special stories. Yeah. But all the sets were being played um, really incredible how many um, great players came out of that uh, Jack Reamer Tennis Club. Yeah. And then following that, in, in, uh, you know, first the, the Vic Braden Tennis College, Vic really wanted to raise money. So he, in, in some, so many ways, I really think that Vic would have been ideal that if he stayed with competitive junior players, but he wanted to raise more money. So that's where he crossed over and got into adult instruction. You know, there was no homeschooling. There's no juniors going to camps. So Vic, Vic Braden Tennis School was primarily for adult players, but it was in San Diego first and well, then in Trabuco Canyon. Yeah, and research, really. I mean, I know he was interested in, in filming and doing all that um, research that he ended up doing. And I know for, originally, too, he tried to get some land by the Jack Kramer Club, and there was some land available. And I think to this day it's still available, but they they, they, right? they refused to to sell, but there was one point where they came pretty close to being able to do that. I didn't know um, that. Uh, I used to, Vic used to say $700 shot, <laughs> but that but he was, yeah, he, it was coming out of his pocketbook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought it was like a thousand, like a, yeah, thousand dollars a shot to, to film Jimmy Connors, 10,000 frames a second or whatever it was, or a thousand frames a second. Now I can do that on my phone. Vic Braden Tennis College, I believe it was 16 and they were like townhouses, but they didn't have kitchens. Yeah. So they were really just hotel rooms. And so Vic, Vic used to say about business, about real estate, I thought you were supposed to buy high and sell low. <laughs> exactly. Where um, one of our students, Mark Walpole and his partner, they actually um, bought, they bought the tennis college. Yeah. But with Vic, um, I can remember our checks at one point had Mickey Mouse on it because mm. the, the corporate shuffle, it was yeah. owned by Arvida and, 
and Disney owned Arvida. And, um, but the Vic Braden Tennis College by Time Magazine was called the best um, tennis facility in creation. Yeah. So there was a Vic Braden Tower, and it was built so, you know, Vic could oversee all the courts, and you know, he'd be able to go up and just yell. Yeah. Vic used to say when he was at the Kramer Club that he'd have to go eat lunch where um, he couldn't see any of the students because he'd just go right up. So somebody would be playing, that was his personality, somebody would be playing doubles, and he'd go, hey, yeah. Bertha, Bertha. <laughs> what are you doing? Toss Laura Bertha. Yeah. Um, I remember being a hitting partner. Um for, for Vic in some training sessions many times. And he'd, you know, he, he would, he's an empathetic educator. He, he would be helping me out. Yeah. Steve, my sir, Steve you're would. rubbing your chest against <laughs> the cement with, um, I think people could look up pictures of the old tennis college and see it. I mean, the tower was really cool. Four video rooms below that, you know, the cords, 17 hitting lanes that he designed. Mark Hamlin, who I grew up with and has been coaching tennis forever. Yeah. And he joined me. Um, the bone. Mary Lay, who ran the tennis college, the head coach, she called me in the office and said, do you have anybody who wants to do what you're doing? And next thing you know, Mark Hamlin was in California. And um, Mark used to say, it looks like a grapefruit. You look up, when you <laughs> yeah, look up you above, it's a, they were all, all 17 geometrically designed tennis courts. Yep. Balls, um, one, you could hit 900 balls in 45 minutes. Yeah, and um, something like that, 900 an hour Thick had it broke down where you accountants, you broke it down to 16 <laughs> cents a shot. <laughs> exactly. But you, the people would be filmed. It was amazing. Under the tower, there was four little classrooms. Yeah. And there were six chairs. And you felt like, you know, you were a stewardess talking to people that were riding an airplane. Yeah. And um, you saw from the library, we have those old posters where Vic's demonstrating each of the basic yeah. shots. Yeah. But you would go in cool. and... and Vic took these old baseball pitching machines and they were the ball machines. And I mean, you could doctor those things where they could just serve world-class. Yeah. But you'd go in and you would just flip a switch. And I think if you just taught only at the Vic Braden Tennis College, you'd be very spoiled. So oh, you, for sure. So you just, you just flip a switch and people didn't even know they were being filmed. Yeah. And another thing that I know that we've moved away from, which we really shouldn't, is that when someone's being filmed, you as the coach stand right behind them. So the ball comes out of the ball machine and you know, they're turning with the racket low and four feet behind their back. And then the Vic Braden coach is turning with the racket up high. Mm -hmm. uh, then you take them into the classroom, you critique the critique their strokes. Yeah. And then from there, I know I got to the point where I was filming them twice in a 45 minute session with, but then the ideal rotation was to take them to the ball machine. The, the lanes. Yeah. At one point they had, they had the TVs on the lanes, but it's so difficult to use, to, to look at the screen when you're out in the sun. Yeah. So then they're really isolated from the tennis court, but it was all color coded where if you hit up in the red, if that's the trajectory for ground strokes and yellow, and yeah. you, it was adaptable for putting a, um, from one pole to the next, you put a mini tennis net across yeah, and, that was cool. and then it was an approach shot. Um, yeah. then they would, then they would go to the running court, but before they would even start in the lanes, there was the main classroom and yeah. So, um, that was, I think I told a story about how I had to, uh, one time, uh, speak where people were waiting for Jimmy Connors and I had to, I had to step in, but, uh, there was a few times, uh, I can remember one time I was doing a traveling clinic with Vic and 
and he got caught in a snowstorm. He's in Denver, and we're doing this clinic in Orlando, and this woman was a little bit upset that Vic wasn't there, and she said to me, she said, at that time, I just remember it was 29, it was many years ago, she said, well, how long have you known Vic Braden? <laughs> I thought about it, I said, oh, 29 years. And she was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, fine. But, they, but you know, he came in uh, towards the end of the day. TV shows, he was on so many TV shows. I've looked and looked on... Um, YouTube. Yeah, try to find the Hollywood Squares. Yeah. That would be amazing. I remember watching him. I, you know, we're all watching Vic. Vic's on Hollywood Squares. Let's watch Hollywood Squares. That's a cool show. Yeah. To bring that back. Maybe it is back. But. I think it's nine celebrities and they're asked questions. Yeah. And and the two people playing, there's a, the host and the two people have to, um, it's just basically true or false. Yeah. Some crazy statement. Yeah. And, How high is whatever amount? Yeah. I mean, I've read years later, Paul Lynn, who was a great comic and but they they actually were they were actually told the questions beforehand yeah so they could come up with something yeah but nevertheless never, nevertheless it was good but yeah i remember uh, tracy austin was so good and vic i remember vic just saying i choked <laughs> is they brought a ball machine out and they had they were just he said the ball came out like 100 miles an hour <laughs> and i mean i saw it too but obviously i wasn't there but it, it just skids across the linoleum, and, and Vic goes, I actually said, take your racket back, <laughs> which, he, you know, he would never, ever say. Yeah. Uh, but no, he was just great, very shy, but very unbelievable behind the camera. I was doing a VIP lesson, and it was David Hartman. He was on Good Morning America. I remember my mother used to watch that show all the time. And I told Vic, I said, you know, it's the wife who plays tennis and the two little kids. And I said, that, I said the, the dad, former baseball player, he, he loves golf. Yeah. And so the next thing you know, Vic's partner, the Coda Research Center, you could talk about that, where but Gideon. with Gideon Arrow, next thing I know is, you know, I'm the gopher and, and uh, getting the pencil and paper and electrical tape or whatever. And um, so David Hartman is hitting golf balls. So they do a biomechanical screen sketch with, Hart, with Hartman and then with... Uh, um, Jack Nicholas, hmm. and at that time, uh, Gerald Ford was president. And you know, it's like, you know, four or five days later, it's on Good Morning America. And uh, made it happen with, um, yeah, the TV shows. Um, I think we can get into that, but why don't you go through your list a little bit? Some points you oh, yes, yeah, so just wrote down a few things. I mean, uh, I know you're a notorious note taker. In a lot of these podcasts, but um, a few things I got here, um, you know, his point really in the end to maximize people's potential, but this just the fact about tennis, you know, changes lives, that it's just more, more than just a sport. So I wrote that down, tennis changes lives. And I think that's true. I mean, you know, our connection with Vic, it's really a family, you know, family tree, a coaching tree. I think about when I, you know, my parents used to say heavenly choreography, the way things just kind of come together, the universe aligns, whatever it may be. But I was 13. We kind of moved back to Southern California from Southern Utah and just looking for places to train. And we didn't have a lot of money in my family. And so my, I think my mom just kind of called up Kodo and she got a hold of Steve Campbell. And Steve Campbell was a tennis techer. Yeah. And you know, so it's just kind of all these things connected, but so went out there and, and Steve, 
you know, basically Steve Vick, they gave me a little work scholarship where I could take group lessons twice a week and, uh, and then play tennis there freely. But I would do, you know, data entry. I would help. I remember helping Vic, you know, kind of organize his film room. I remember seeing old film like Tracy, Tracy Austin first lesson, you know, stuff like that. Um, learned to string rackets and just did yard work and then, and then could play there. So I was there for a couple of years. Um, when I was really young, which was cool. So just, just to see how things are connected, you know, between tennis tech and, and Vic is, is cool, but tennis changes lives. Um, we talked about, you know, um, Lawrence Alto, you know, Vic stealing tennis balls and, you know, he gave him the choice. You can either go to jail or learn to play tennis. I think we talked about that a little bit with, uh, Scotty Perelman, um, Vic hitchhiking. I've got that down that he hitchhiked around the country when he was like 13 to play tournaments. I don't think that's going to happen these days. <laughs> Not very often. Yeah. Vic with the bees, um, Todd Bartz in at TCU and Glenn yeah. Bass at UCLA. Yeah. They're all, the, all right the same age and they would, uh, be assigned to the same family. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, um, you didn't stay in a hotel. You would families would house the players. Yeah, I've got that written down here. How he, you know, he'd never been to a big home, a restaurant, or a hotel, and he, he reached the semis when he and he went to Milwaukee and he stayed in a hotel for the first time and he was stealing food, but he didn't know that it was included. So just kind of those things, you know, it's like a little different experience than today's kids. No, Vic didn't grow up wealthy. That's I got here to walk a mile to go to school in a one-room schoolhouse in the first grade. Dad worked at a paper mill. Um. Yeah, we talked about that he was a multi-sport athlete in high school. Didn't have the state championships freshman year because of World War II. So who knows? Could have been a four-time. Yeah, he won, four it, three, time. He won it three times. Um, it's not easy to win a state championship really in anything. Um, no. Got here written down, too, that he had thoughts of a job working on the railroad. You know, back in those days, it was like, you know, that's where, again, tennis opens so many doors you know, the chance to travel, see the world. Um, he shined shoes at Fred's shoe repair shop on Saturdays. Got that written down. Um, and he, he was a scorekeeper for rec, rec basketball as well. With part-time jazz, Vic, Vic used to have the line, uh, I got to save, I, I got to save, I, I got to save my money to get, get weighed. <laughs> it used to be these big um, scales at a grocery store. You put a penny in and you could weigh yourself. Yeah. So Vic, yeah, I got to save up to be weighed. Cool. Um, we talked about this a little bit too, living in a ball closet at Kalamazoo. I remember when the last time I was at Kalamazoo, this is years ago now, but um, I got a picture of that, you know, Vic Braden lived here and I think they removed it now, unfortunately. Yeah, there was a plaque at one time. Yeah, he said it was big enough for a cot and it was free. Um, it must have been a little bit cold in Michigan in that ballroom. Oh man, no question. Hardy Northerner. If people know who Christy Brinkley was, I don't know if we brought this up or not, but he, he dated Marge Bowling, Christy Brinkley's father. He She ended up marrying Don Brinkley. So uh, it would have been a little different, maybe, Christy Brinkley. Vic. <laughs> Vic is was so funny. And so, you know, genetics comes up when you talk about sports. And mm. Christy Brinkley's, I'm 66. Christy Brinkley's 66. Mm. She looks a little younger than me. <laughs> she still looks like she looks she's 26. Good. Yeah. But Vic used to say, well... I used to date Christy Brinkley's mom. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we became husband and wife <laughs> and I was the father, yeah. I don't think she'd be a world-class model. 
Maybe just a little shorter. <laughs> but uh, some of the things I have here, kid college, he swept sidewalks. Um, he dropped out after his sophomore year just for a little bit and went to work at Monroe Auto Equipment Company and also a Lazy Boy Chair Company. And he would tack the the chairs, you know, with the little tacks. They would spit tacks, they called it. Um, one thing, too, the rheumatic fever left him with some heart defect. Um, and he was not able to join the military because of that. He was trying to sign up with with the Air Force Academy. Um, yeah, I just got, you know, the things you talked about, graduated in 51, got his master's in L.A. 10 years later, and then 57 years later after that, got the honorary doctorate, which is cool, from Kalamazoo College. It's a little bit of a timeline. Uh, you know, went to Toledo Tennis Club. Um, then you mentioned this the University of Toledo men's and women's team, assistant basketball coach. Learned a lot from the coach there, Jerry Bush. And then uh, off to Palm Springs, teaching uh, El Mirador and uh, Ray Ryan. And then, yeah, Topanga Middle School or elementary school. Um, yeah, master's in educational psychology. Mentioned the sixth grade reunion. That was really cool. Yeah, Kramer Tour, sixty sixty one. One thing I, I thought was fun was uh, we talked about, you know, with a Kramer Tour, where they would travel around a lot of the ice rinks, or a lot of the, the rinks they had to convert to tennis courts were ice rinks, hockey rinks they played there. And he, he would say that, you know, if somebody had a really wicked slice serve, he could take him off, that you'd basically, they would be slipping on the ice into the, <laughs> into the stands. So that's pretty funny. And then, uh, yeah, the Rancho Bernardo, Big Braden Tennis College, Actually, while the new center was being built, they had one in the summer in Lake Tahoe and then also at Shadow Mountain in Palm Desert um, in the winter. Yeah, and then Cotto, Cotto de Casa, 74, the classroom. So we got that, 17 lanes, the tower, the video rooms, and then the strategy courts, which you know we were talking about getting some of those or doing that again. Those were really cool, just showing. You mean painting the lines yeah, on the court? Yeah, painting the lines, yeah. showing the. Ten and a half foot mark, the passing lanes, the depth marks. Those, yeah, those were, you know, that was just like, whoa, this this is crazy, you know. I know Richard Hernandez, who we uh, interviewed, Tennis Canada, he went to Tennis Tech, and um, obviously through us, uh, through that training, those the Vic Braden method, backwards and forwards. Yeah. But at one time, he had a court that was painted red, yellow, yeah. green. Oh, so the, the zones. Zones of court. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had the, you know, the St. George, the Big Brain Tennis College there, Dave Nostrant was there for over 25 years. Um, they had the courts there as well, plus the lanes, all that was there. I think listeners, you could look up John Zimmerman, who's the Sports Illustrated famous, famous photographer. And there's a lot of videos of John's and Vic that he, he was there often and, and they did a lot of cool pictures with John, John Zimmerman. Yeah, for example, the toss, how the toss arcs forward, and you can just see the tennis ball, you know, high-speed photography, um, the, uh, just to see how the toss doesn't, you know, it, it arcs out to the right. Yeah. You know, if you're the righty going to 1 o'clock, where so many people are bringing in the toss over their head. Yeah, even just the motion, the kind of stroke motion that they do now with dartfish, but did the same thing where you see the, the racket in every position and see, yeah. the, see the shape of the swing. Um, a lot of creative photography too. And it was actually neat. One of the last, it might've been the last for a lot of the, one of the last big brain tennis colleges that we ran in Kodo. 
uh, Linda, his daughter, was there, went through the tennis college, which was cool. Well, Vic's wife, Melody, is a professional photographer. It just seems that the Vic Braden Tennis College is, you'd look left and you'd look right and there's a camera. Yeah, exactly. And Vic, we know, filmed everything. I just have uh, written down, you know, a trip to China to help relations. And then um, Chinese officials made Tennis for the Future, the national training book. And then years later, they talked about in 2006, a couple of American coaches said that the book should be burned. And whether that happened or not, I don't know if that's just a wife's tale. But No, I mean, with uh, when Vic first came out, it was his book in 77, Tennis for the Future, during the it was revolutionary. Now, you just think... You know, People think it's old school. It's not relevant. Yeah. You know, I just ask people, do you believe in gravity? <laughs> exactly. The court hasn't changed. Reminds me of that Hoosiers, you know, where they go, okay. You know, Gene Hackman's like, all right, measure. All right, Ollie, you know, he gets on the guy's back and measure the measure the distance from the hoop. Okay, yeah. you know, 10 feet, 15 feet. Yeah. And uh, it's just, hey, it's the same. Um, but yeah, Germany, I mean, you you could talk about that, the, the Vic Braden Tennis College in Germany. You were there. Yeah. Um, let me just do this first, is that we, for our listeners, we've covered so much yeah. Vic Braden information, forehand, yeah. backhand, overhead. Uh, we have talked about how we need to go through specialty shots and emergency shots. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me just say this one thing to backtrack a little bit with basketball. Basketball was Vic's favorite sport. And, again, when he left the Kramer Club, and certainly it was an outstanding place for adult tennis players to go. What an experience they had at the Vic Braden yeah. Tennis College. But Vic was trying to raise money. And then he he was with Wilson. And I can remember doing a VIP lesson, several of them, with Artis Gilmore. Mm-hmm. I think he was 7'4". And That's I remember, remember t- teaching him to serve. And I remember telling him, you're too short to hit down. <laughs> awesome and Artis Gilmore stopped and he said, no one in my whole life has ever told me <laughs> yeah, I'm no too short. Has ever done to so Vic, uh, that's where we talk about the Vic Brain Library. There's so many things. And that's really just, you know, hitting down on the serve because some people have come up with, oh, you can be six foot seven or whatever, but it's, it's really to recruit the muscles to hit down. You've got to be taller. So Vic, um, you know, he was a jock and, you know, he was certainly so, so, so smart, but uh, he could have the basketball go between, you know, around the back and under the leg and, you know, spinning on his finger and with this and that. So he, you know, and he's stuffing, you, see, you know, you just see the film and <laughs> yeah. Gilmore is stuffing a basketball and Braden is stuffing a basketball. Yeah. And then the camera fades away and Vic was on a trampoline. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. There are so many things that should be pulled out of the Vic Braden library. Right now, the tennis channel, they purchased it. Um, we could go through that a little bit, but, um, before uh, Germany, let me just go, uh, you know, I'm a product of the tennis boom. Tennis boom, James Van Allen, 1970. Tennis, before that, tennis couldn't be on TV. Yeah, the and then the tiebreaker changed, but there was certainly, initially there was sudden death. And then and Bud Collins, the late commentator, was great friends with Vic. Um, it went from sudden death to lingering death. Because sudden death, you just had to win by one point. It wasn't fair. It was, you know, some, it was... The tiebreakers would end 5-4, 5-3, 5-2, 5-1, But at 4-all, someone got that extra serve. Yeah. Um, so there, there was, for the longest time, there was just three TV stations, but then PBS was the fourth. And there was no commercials. And Vic, you know, the changeovers, he would do one minute 
yeah. um, tennis tips. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Um, every Monday night was the finals all summer long. Yeah. Um, so that's where, you know, Vic really on, you know, through, through that platform, yeah. through television, he entered everybody's living room. Came into the, yeah. It would be great to compare those to some of the one minute tips that you see in here today. Yeah, that's where we could go back and we could say Thomas Jefferson was a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, we need to go back to so many things. Hmm. And again, all these podcasts should support one another. Dave Anderson's tennis, the film, and tennis needs to go back to the future. Yeah. I mentioned the, the progression for me. So, you know, 73, 74, watching these, uh, watching Vic on TV, then. Then I saw the film, 1975. And granted, he was all over Tennis Magazine and articles here and articles there. But So the film I showed in the Boca Raton Mall. Then in 77, his book came out, Tennis for the Future. And you and I will tell people, which is, I think, true, that you know there's one thing to um, read the book, but another thing to actually live the book. Yeah. But then I mentioned we talked about uh, Tennis Tech is Jim Mantle. Um very, very well read and, you know, not your typical jog, just banging tennis balls around deep thinker. And um, he was the first person I knew who went to the United States Tennis Academy. Vic's, you know, there was a tennis college, but twice a year he had the USTA. Yeah. And he gave that name free of charge when asked to the USTA because the USTA used to be the USLTA, yeah. United States Tennis and Lawn Association, uh, or USLTA, I'm sorry. So, um, Melody's still waiting for that check. Yeah. USTA. USTA. Um, in 1978, um, Gideon Ariel was, uh, and Vic, they were in New York, the Roosevelt, and they were speaking two different times. So I, I made it to that. That's where I met Tom Fye, and Tom Fye's in the audience. And through having read the book backwards and forwards, Jim Mantle, or Jim Mantle coming back and we're practicing and he said, change your toss, change, change what it does, mm -hmm. change that. Um, and my, I remember my background through sports. Um, I have three older brothers that never worked with figure skaters. I worked with figure skaters, older mm -hmm. brothers. I don't think that they saw videotape when I was a kid. They're, yeah. But I was smart enough when I was sent off to hockey school to take, you know, jump in every extra class you could. Those are the best teachers in hockey I ever yeah. had were figure skaters. So, um, you know, so when someone told you to change something, you just like, okay, I did it. You know, even if you have a match, go cold turkey. I'm just changing, I'm just lowering the toss. Yeah. With, um, but anyway, Nick Volteri, so we, we should really just have a podcast on Nick. I have a lot of respect for Nick. Um, Nick got into Hall of Fame based on the environment, the culture that he built in Braden and Vandermeer. They got in more on education. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, Tommy Fye's just raising his hand. He's raising his hand on all these questions. <laughs> this has been mentioned already. And then um, Nick Terry said, I don't care. I flunked high school geometry three times. God gave me eyes to see tennis. Yeah. So I was sitting with Danny Cooper. Um, at one time, I was running a Vic Braden tennis college. He's a lawyer in Montreal now. But I just saw told Cooper, I said, Fye, I, I see that guy over there works for Braden. And then I w went over and, and introduced myself, and that's how I found out um, how you could be on the Vic Braden staff. So I went to the, the USTA, the Vic Braden Tennis Academy, twice in 79. And then 
I went out there to live and I went out there and worked as a volunteer. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, what I never experienced at USCA. I've definitely seen, you know, uh, tests and things like that. But what was that week like? It was seven days, right? Or was it 10 days? No, Dennis Vanders, Dennis University was 10 days. And yeah. it, um, remember, they kept the price the same, but it, the, the time span yeah. was shorter. Take us through that week a little better, the listeners through that week. Well, um, you know, Vic certainly had, a, I would always have guest speakers. You know, he was just a lifelong learner and, um, you know, he was always complimenting people and saying, I'm happy to have you as my mentor. But he would lecture in the morning and um, he, then we would go out and they would show, the, the coaching staff would be with the players and we'd show them drills and they get to do go through Q&A with the coaches and then back to the classroom again. So it would be morning session with Vic and then an evening session with Vic, but in between the, the coaching staff. Then at the end of it, it was a test. It was, uh, I think, pretty sure, 200 uh, written questions. Yeah. And then there was a film loop. Um, but the on-court part was more application, like going through drills or... Well, it was held at the Vic Braden Tennis College. So, yeah. um, you know, the, there it was it was early 80s and the place was packed. I mean, there was, if there was one, there was 80 people. I, a, I went through it 10 different times. I can remember, I'll get back to your question on court, yeah. but I can remember, um, I think it was Richie Perelman, um, um, yeah, I'm 99% sure was, Rich was his first name and he's from Rochester. People in Rochester loved him. He died of cancer at a very young age. But I can remember being in the restaurant, the pub restaurant at Kodo and um, it was just so much information. It, it, with Vic, um, one time I remember there was someone who came in and and, and when you got there, um, you had a copy of his his book, First mm-hmm. It Was Tense for the Future. They just handed you a copy of it. At one time it was uh, the, the children's book and a, a person was upset and that he goes, well, we, we should have been sent this book beforehand. Uh-huh. And Vic said, well, I'm not a toad, but um, mm-hmm. the book's been on the market or the book's been available for 11 years or whatever. Yeah. And um, so there was just so much so soon. Um, after being there for years, I used to think that People should listen to Mary Lay first because mm. Mary Lay would just no storytelling, no yeah. going off on a tangent and not talking about the latest research, but just give out the facts. This yeah. is the ready position. Um, the, um, but no, the application was, okay, so we'll film some players. We'll show how the station works. And then you go to the, show them how the lanes would work and, mm. and people, you know, you'd get hands on. So you'd be coached by the coaches. So yeah, yeah. there was application. Um, you know, over a 10 year period, it didn't really, um, it didn't really alter, although, and I, I couldn't tell you for what reason, um, I know Vic was in demand doing this and doing that. And he also did a lot of TV. He was doing telecasts yeah, for commentating pro tennis. I, I would guess that was the reason, but they usually run it in April and then in December. Um, but yeah, we have it on, I think maybe we have four four of the academies on audio tape. Yeah. And then when I was, when I was training tennis teachers, you know, they could go listen to the audio tapes. Um, and, you know, sometimes an audio tape can be better than a videotape just to sit and listen to it. Um, here's something, uh, you know, where did this, where'd the name uncle Vic come from? Mm-hmm. 
So by 81, I've been out in California and I'm on the staff. And at one point I was on, I was on the staff as a volunteer, but then um, I was fine. I was asked to be on the staff as a paid uh, staff member. And I said, no, thanks. Declined. And then it got to the point where I couldn't decline. They said, you have to. This is when you were living in your van, right? Yeah. So the, um, so I go at 81, I go to my grandfather's funeral. So I have to go back to the East coast, Utica, New York. And my grandfather's house, grandmother sitting around watching TV and tennis for the future comes on. Mm -hmm. And so Vic braids on TV and I'm just sitting there. I'm not saying anything. So one of my brothers, actually my brother, Mike, he calls my mother into the room and, um, you know, she played high school tennis didn't really start playing until years and years later, but she played. I have a copy of her high school letter. Um, so she comes in the room to watch. And, they, and again, Vic is just Henny Youngman. He was just one line after the other, just so funny. Mm-hmm. And I said nothing. And um, certainly, um, you know, from there, I was asked, it's kind of let you know that maybe your siblings weren't so interested in what you were doing. Is that <laughs> I said, you, you know him. I go, well, I'm on his staff. I work for him. Um, but back in those days, there's no instant communication at your fingertips. So they said, people sat, the family sat around and watched it. And so I was asked about Vic Braden and that time my aunt Anna had passed away. And I said, I said, Vic Braden is just like Aunt Anna. Hmm. And my aunt was all laughs, total Pied Piper. Everyone loved her. So from that, you know, and you know, he was uncle Vic. I mean, he used to call himself Fat Albert. He was calling himself Fat <laughs> yeah. Albert before Bill Cosby started calling himself Fat Albert. Um, you know, from our podcast on, on Tennis Tech, I remember Scott Schultz, who was in charge at USTAU. He started Ferris State. I'm in a meeting. I'm up to have lunch with him at the USTA, and that's when they had more bulldozers on site than tennis balls, and said they were thinking about having a committee and possibly have a committee and possibly have you be on the committee. You know, and he mentioned, you know, like Nick Saviano and Rick Macy, some people that are recognized in the tennis teaching circles. And I told him, I said, we already have a curriculum. I said, there's, you know, there's this gentleman by the name of Vic Brayton. And um, of course, uh, Scott Schultz is from Michigan. But Scott Schultz, uh, you know, I know that he asked. Um, I don't know Greg Jones very well. I don't really know him at all, but I did, I've listened to him speak. I told him, I, he talked to me one time in New York and he told me that Scott Schultz had mentioned the great base curriculum within the USTA meetings and the word system just scares people away. <laughs> you know, right. system's just an organized plan. But um, no, I wouldn't, would not want to be in a, a meeting where they say, okay, let's have a, let's have a curriculum and, and not bring up these tennis teachers from the past that, that formulate the great base. But coming back to uh, tennis Europe, um, I had plans to go to Europe. It worked out. So I had this clause in my contract where I went to this two-year school in Texas. But then I I didn't really have the same experience as my students because my students would go to Switzerland. We didn't really have anyone go to Japan, although we spent I spent time with a gentleman who ran one time Vic had a school in Japan, but um, I didn't have the opportunity to stay there and learn the language and truly experience that challenge. Um, but I spent, How long were you there in, in Germany? 
or would you go back and forth? Well, I, I had a school year schedule. So um, basically I would go over, you know, four to six weeks. and In the summer. And I would go to every tennis school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mo- from 84 on, every head coach that Vic hired is somebody that I trained, with the exception of Luke Wickham, who you know well, great yeah. guy, my real estate coach. <laughs> and he's he's like Vic. He's a professional comedian. Yeah. And, um, but it, so he was hired. Um, he was, he did just complete an internship with Ray Benton, who's done a lot of things with Vic. So, but at, but at once he was hired to run Vic Braid in Florida, that Luke spent a ton of time with us. He hired, uh, you know, Jeff Lewis at one yeah. point. And we used to all, we used to all show up when Vic would show up. Um, did you go to Marbella? No, I was scheduled to go to Marbella, but no, I didn't go to Marbella. If uh, Marbella was seasonal, um, I think this is important to mention. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly that there were schools in Marbella, and so Spain, Switzerland, Germany, and then Japan, right? Right, and there was several. Uh, there was um, the island of Zilt, uh, Ankum, Goslar, Reitenwinkel, um, maybe forgetting when, um, the, the Wittenberg brothers, um, they were in Barzinghausen. and that's where the office was. I don't, they ended up setting a program up in, uh, this beautiful little town, Barzinghausen. I, I remember being there for, uh, meetings and remember going over to where the Wittenbergs were, but they were both at a tournament. So I was, I was actually there two, uh, two different times, but never was there when they were there. Yeah. Um, and St. George, so, I mean, Coto, St. George, where Dave Nostrant was there before I got there. Yeah, Mike McLaughlin did some some work. I mean, he was one of Vic's, uh, in Melody, two closest friends. But I was on the staff with uh, with Mike and still talked to him on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. The I know he did quite a bit of work in Utah. Well, Jennifer Roberts was the first director there, right? And then Dave. Yeah, but I her. think that. You know, Mike McLaughlin was there getting it going. And then yeah. I know Jennifer was hired full time. And then you mentioned Nostrand, uh, Jake's. They were, yeah, like family extended. It was, uh, they, yeah, went, cool. they went from our tennis tech program. Yeah. I ended up there. So, I mean, after I was in Coto for a couple of years, and then we were up in LA for a couple of years. And then I ended up in St. George when I was 17. And I remember Mark Jake's from when I was younger, because he would play against my first coach, Clark Barton. And I just remember he would show up at the, profile Wilson and but um and then Al Tomlinson I don't know if you ever got to know Al no he was great he was there I worked with Al but yeah then yeah the age 17 on that was basically home with St. George and Killing Cotto and then Orlando he he did a lot of Star Island with Luke Wickham yeah it was uh, Roy Vasquez was the first uh, coach that he had and then it was Luke Wickham and then it was uh, Jeff Lewis Roy Vasquez, he went to um, Tennis Tech. At one time, Roy Vasquez, Helen Harrison, Renee Bear, Joe Lewandis, uh, I mean, Steve Campbell. There's there's so many people who um, work for Vic at one of his tennis schools. I mean, I have I have a long list of students, and I know that um, this is a little bit of a sore subject with you. I think myself as well, but. Where it's just totally embellished, where someone did a traveling weekend, and you know they tell people they 
I have many students that worked with, for Vic for a traveling weekend. It just was, it's just not the same. I don't know. I mean, in the end, I mean, I, you know, Vic is like family. I mean, it was kind of a father, father figure. So I do get a little, I get, I get protective a little bit. And, uh, but I always tell people, I'm like, well, let me just see your students hit the ball. And I'll tell yeah. you, I'll tell you if, if you had a Braden influence or not. Well, here's a story with, um, Vic Braden, the man, Vic Braden, the resource. And that's, that's what people in tennis need to pick up on. You know, for me, I would tell people, well, I've never heard anyone explain the serve well if they don't directly or indirectly have a connection with Braden. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I just just sit there and I listen. And like Mark Kovacs, Dr. Mark Kovacs, obviously he's doing so many great things. I was at a PTR function one time speaking and it all rains and everybody comes inside and and then uh, he's up on this, this stage and everybody's in one one room and um, he's got a film of Patrick Gibson. You know, Matt Clore was out here today and mm-hmm. I was really just a supplemental coach with with Patrick and Matt was working with him. And, and uh, but there's just, a, you know, Mark has, you can learn so much from Mark, you know, join his website or yeah, whatever. So it's, it's all positive, but with, um, you know, it's like we're going to interview Jack Roppel. Jack Roppel and I were both spoon fed at the same time. And he, he, he was years ago, like Mark is today, asked Doc and like Mark, I mean, great, great, great. But Vic was not only a self biomechanist, unlike Mark and Jack, he spent years in the trenches. Sure. Teaching, teaching, teaching. You know, Mark's a very young guy. And, and then, you know, Jack, I mean, he's one of the best classroom coaches ever. And I mean, it's sad that he's still, he's still not a voice within American tennis, but so he, this ties in with this is uh, someone else like Kovacs and, and Grapple, who's, who's great and has gone on and, and it's greatness in many ways on his own for sure, for sure, for sure. But um, when Vic Braden passed away, Craig Tiley, now the CEO of tennis Australia and like Nostrand and Jake's and Campbell, He's a tennis techer. Yeah. Um, he's a tennis techer plus because like a Dave Anderson, a tennis tech plus because they were there several years. Yeah. I used to tease and say, these guys just can't graduate. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so Tyler Wright wrote a really nice tribute. And um, eventually Craig Tiley, and he, he had Vic down in Australia a couple of times twice. Yeah. And, and to everybody, Vic was Uncle Vic. Once you get to know the guy, I mean- uh, I think my my mother had that ability that everybody felt like they were my mother's best friend, and that's the way Vic was. Yeah. So uh, Gordon Smith, who was the former CEO of uh, the USTA, someone sent him a post, and I was just complimenting Tylee's work on using Vic Braden as a resource. Took the team from Illinois from obscurity to winning the national championship. Right. But when Tylee first went to Illinois, now I know that I could just, it's like a Ryan Reedy. Um, he does a great job. You know, he's off on a few points, like the birthday hat. You know, Ryan, if anybody's listening, he does a great, 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 great job. He's so far better than the industry norm. And, you know, um, to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing, is that um, by we have holes in what we do for sure. But it's a great teaching aid to say, knock off the birthday hat. And I'm sure that came from when he was teaching a lot of young kids. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, your hand gets too close to your head. It shortens the swing. 
Yeah. You know, it's not comb your hair, it's comb a friend's hair. Um, but I would say, yeah, it has a tendency to do that. I mean, you can, you can still knock a, a birthday hat off your head, you know, or a cone or something with, with your hand away, but people t- have that tendency to get. Yeah. Like when too, you, when you tell someone close. comb your hair, it's somebody's very literal. Yeah. That's, that's the issue, I think. So but coming way. back to Tylee is when he started Illinois, if, if Vic walked in the room, Vic wouldn't have known him. Hmm. You know, Vic met so many people. If you were on his staff and you worked with him, like say uh, all those people I've mentioned, um, but if you just traveled, I know Craig went up with that. He went to Cape Cod one time. He went to uh, Aspen with me one time. And, um, you know, he certainly made his mark. And then he brought, um, Vic into Illinois, you know, after he had been there, not not from day one by any means. I was the person who went there every every semester uh, with the women's team long before Tylee was there. I mean, when um, Tylee's first trip to Illinois was assisting me coaching the women's team. Mm. So for a Labor Day weekend. But here, here's the thing is that Gordon Smith wrote me and, you know, Tylee was trained in America by an American, trained yeah. by me. And the, but the thing is, is that um, with Vic, um, today, you know, that's what we're trying to do with the, the library. It shouldn't really be for a museum. Yeah. You know, it should yeah. be a working art. Exactly. A working piece of art. Yeah. Um, well, that's where I think, you know, with some of the things we've been doing online and, and people like Ryan Reedy, um, you know, that have, gotten a good following on social media people are now discovering vic and rediscovering vic so that's great that's great to see i mean you know some people say oh man these guys are just plagiarizing you but you know we all learned some yeah some, um, from someone but um anyway one, one you, you of see our, that a lot a lot of people are discovering vic and it's great one of our students um that we teach directly you know, he comes and spends time with us. He's actually taught by Steve Roberts, and Steve Roberts is doing a great job in Northern California. So kid by the name of Mateo called, beats a kid by the name of Tanner, and I'm called by a couple coaches, mm. and I'm asked, do you know this kid Tanner? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, Matt Clore's watching him play over at the UCA, so Matt Clore is another coach who, um, you know, Matt was out here the other day, and we were going th- uh, through a few things, and uh, I said, Matt, let me ask you. So, you know, it's a little bit of a break talking to some players. And he said, tell me one thing that you disagree with with Vic Braden teaches. Mm-hmm. And he goes, none. Yeah. And that's the way it works because Vic used to say, if you disagree with something, yeah, give me the scientific rationale. Yeah, just give me rationale. So anyway, this young kid, Tanner, um, he's taught by uh, Greg Lasour, who's come up. His name's been mentioned in our podcast. And he's with online tennis instruction. So in like Ryan Reedy, he's doing a great job. Mm. Great, great, great. Um, I think that um, certainly one thing with uh, Ryan, what you just mentioned, is he's giving credit to Vic Braden, which is fantastic. But Ryan was really trained by Jim Klein. Right. And Jim Klein went to tennis tech. Jim Klein, people need to take their hat off to Jim Klein because he really was the one who was so persistent to get Vic into the Hall of Fame. In fact, he was there when you were there. Mm-hmm. Um with um here's one thing with Braden is he did touch millions of people's lives. But I've said there should be a book written. You know, one of our students, a great guy, John Posey. Yeah. You know, he's a writer. Say Posey. 
let's get together and write this book. Uh, Vic Braden is missed, and Vic Braden was missed. Yeah. And, you know, I think when he did pass away, I just, you know, people would say, yeah, you know, I really knew Vic's stuff. And the, uh, I think of uh, Ryder DeHart and uh, Matt Clore. They're both born in 84. Now it had so much to do with Ryler DeHart. He first was taught by Thomas Olishted, who went to Tennis Tech. Ryler became a really good 12 and under player, and I'd only worked with him via video. So by the time he was 13, I was living in Florida, coached him every day. And um, so one time, Ryler had said to Matt, you're really into that Steve Smith stuff. And, and Matt said, of all people, you should be the last person to call it Steve Smith stuff. Yeah. If people are listening to what we're talking about, yeah. all these different pillars, it's just history. It's just, it's rich in history. It's, it's I mean, it's just validated. Yeah. Um, but people would say, well, yeah, you know, Vic, or... And you could even tell how they would just gesture on the volley or, you know, some movement they would yeah, make. Like, and nope. They would say like one or two things. And even that, I really like how you say, well, let me see your kids hit the ball. Yeah. Um, and the umpire says, ready, play. It's pretty easy to tell. With uh, you know, Dave Anderson has a great idea that we should have a, uh, a great base get together out at his place. You know, he's Brookhaven, the flagship of Club Corp. It's like mm -hmm. a little tennis city. Yeah. Now, I think of this as a, not so much of a compliment for us, but, you know, and Arthur Ashe said, you know, you could recognize a Weldy Van, excuse me, a Weldy Van Horn student a mile away. Um, time after time, someone will see one of our students hit the ball and they just yeah. go up and they just ask them and they just know. Yeah. And I think that's not really so much a positive for us, but a negative for tennis. Mm. Um, Roberto Calla, who's worked with us for 15 years. And, you know, he's from uh, Peru. I made the mistake of saying Bolivia. He's from Peru. Mm -hmm. And um, what he will say, and it's always, I think, so interesting to hear people speak in their second, third language, um, that, you know, you watch a kid, watch a kid warm up and you just, he just goes, no information. Yeah. Now, a lot of times what happens in little kid tennis and junior tennis is little kid tennis, they don't understand big kid tennis. But little kids are playing free. They're not thinking about a conventional approach volley. They're not thinking about stepping underneath on a one-handed cross-court backhand trajectory being low. They're not thinking aggressive air margin to get in two out of three. Yeah. They're just free. They're just banging balls. Yeah. And really, it's more and more, it's really sad. Kids can't go to the net, singles or doubles. And they're just looking to bang a forehand. Mm -hmm. And it, to get people's attention, uh, you know, some people say it's very bombastic, but you got clones taught by clowns. And um, so it's, you know, it's like who wins in the end. Um, a few things on Vic's library. Uh, there was no price for the longest time. And I, I set a price, um, $250,000. And um, was in constant communication with... Uh, Mike McLaughlin, I really think it's a pot of gold. I really think that it was worth it. It's, you know, if it was used properly, it's worth much more than that. Yeah. And it would have been great for Vicks. Well, to try to describe it to people, there may be a picture of it online maybe somewhere, but it's lots of film, lots of tapes, um, you know, books for sure too, but but just tons of film and it filled up in Kodo at Vic's house. It, Build up a garage or a couple of garages. About the know. size of a four-car garage. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot, and it, it's packed. Oh, you and I were at Melody's place, and and 
walk through it. Yeah, um, no, I mean, but it's uh, eight millimeter, sixteen millimeter beta, uh, yeah. VHS, Lots DVD. Of yeah, but amazing body of work. I mean, just no, when like you, the, when you read the labels and and you just. Man, there's so much in there. No, I know that you and Vic uh, have a lot of film where you were on the court with the Bryan brothers and Wayne Bryan, you know, Kathy Blake, you know, really was the mom who was a really good player, was tuned into Vic Braden. Um, Wayne has been so positive with what he's had to say. But somewhere in that library, there's film of Braden working with uh, Bryan brothers. Yeah. And the Bryan brothers not playing doubles now. I mean, it's like Pete Sampras over and over, just pounding the same points. Last time he played a match, an official match came to that 104 times. Yeah. He didn't, because people want to win in the tens, the parents want to win, the kid wants to win, the coach, the 10 year old kid wants to win. The two inch trophy. They weren't copying going to the net. And Rotolova with her one handed backhand. What worries but, me about, sorry, go ahead. No, so I mean, the same thing with doubles. Um, yeah. What worries me about, the library being in the hands of the tennis channel, not to say that it's the wrong hands, but you know, there's a certain amount of film in there that they just wouldn't know what to do with it. You know, from an educational standpoint where, you know, there's going to be a few of us that it's like, Hey, yeah, this is, you know, you need to get that out there and here's what it is. And I think why. I, so I'm, af- I'm afraid that things like that are going to get lost. I think a shook arbitrage. They did this with labor is that, Melody will get some money. I mean, there was uh, some monies paid uh, to the tennis channel up front. But, you know, for film, if they use some film, if he, he's making a documentary on Arthur Ashe. There was one made on on labor. But coming back to the kid, Mateo, from Northern Cal playing the kid, Tanner, um, I've had nothing to do with Tanner. I've never seen a play, but... Matt Clore gets to see everybody goes through the USTA. He's good enough to be over there with the USTA. He's been taught by <clears throat> Greg Lesore. Now, we spent a ton of time with Mateo and, you know, Steve Roberts as well. Mm-hmm. That's where, um, and these guys are already playing in the 16s. But what needs to happen to American tennis is we got to do a better job with the six-year-olds. You know, like Wayne Bryan, I think he made such a great point about Ten and under tennis, he said, "No, it's all great, but it's four years too late." Yeah, this is, this is what you need to be doing with six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, booby boop with a racket and uh, racketed control drills, and it's like Braden used to say, "You know, shut up and show me yeah, how to hit show it." Show me how to hit it. With Invic uh, was a psychologist. He he really um, he he appreciated Tim Galloway, but Tim Galloway would say, "Pretend you're the ball." And Vic goes, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh, the um, Well, yeah, the whole point was that, you know, the brain starts to pick up a motor program after just a few hits, really, like eight hits. So if you get a bad start, you know, then it's tough to change. But during the pandemic, I mean, uh, I get myself in trouble, but there's experienced coaches with their high profile positions and they were telling people how to practice at home. And I'm going, really? And it was boopity boop. And it's like, take a ball, roll it around your racket. And yeah. uh, with. Um, well, the frustrating part with that, too, and I mean, it still involves Vic because this is all the technical stuff, but, you know, the, the at home practice tape, Victor Lilov, you know, wins 12 and unders, wins La Petite's, and then just recently got to the finals of Wimbledon. It's all right there, and we, you know that was. It's all free. It's on the YouTube channel on the website, and that was offered to be put out by some of the 
governing bodies. And yeah, no, I, I didn't I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. Is that um, there's a blueprint print there? Dave Schwartz, mm-hmm. a very successful college coach, has won some national championships. Um, I think he might be one of the only guys who's won it for with men and with women. But um, he said to me one time, "You guys are like an under underground rock band." Uh, you make good music, but not many, but not many people know who you are. Yeah, and um, certainly with Victor getting to the finals of Junior Wimbledon, um, had so many people were watching him, and so many people were contacting me, and mm-hmm. um, because it was just circumstantial. I mean, if people were to look at our content, they could follow Victor for five years. Yeah, and I mean, sister is a scholar, and. Um, you know, I can remember uh, she was just working as a volunteer um, at NC State because I went there. We had a group of realtors who were possibly going to build a place. And so uh, the assistant coach, she's now um gal. She's working at assistant coach at Virginia. And um, so this is a fun story. So I said, okay, she's wanted to, she wanted to work in the junior program. I said, yeah, no problem. We, we, you need to be trained. And, you know, she has a very impressive background as a junior college player. And then I said, just go over with uh, this girl. So Victor's sister, Redina, she's wearing blue jeans. And, and I, you know, just, okay. If you would just teach her the dimensions of the court, if you would teach her the body balance positions, go through the grips, go through the checkpoints. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, hour and, you know, 30 minutes later, she said, I just learned more about tennis than I have my whole life. Yeah. You know, we, we make those 45 minute videos and we tell people, it's not to be egotistical, but when it comes to technical tennis, we'll make a tape for you. And 45 minutes later, you'll learn, you'll have learned more about tennis than you have since you've been in the game. Yeah. And that really, it comes from Vic. I mean, if the grip determines the angle of the racket face, the angle of the racket face determines, determines the angle of the racket path. Yeah. That reminds me of, there was a question. Uh, we've got several questions that came in. Maybe we'll answer those next week, but one of them was what's, you know, maybe a, your most used Vic Bradenism and the mentions according physical laws dictate stroke production, no coach's opinion or any unique theory. That's one we use quite often. No, I have people and say it, it to the, when they, back it, to that. it sounds, you know, I grew up in a Catholic school. I mean, to me, it sounds like mechanical <laughs> prayer. Yeah, exactly. But I do like fuzz sandwich too. With, uh, laugh and win. Tim Gullickson. Tim Gullickson ended up at, at Vic Braden's, the late mm. Tim Gullickson, tragically died so early. He was coaching Sampras when he passed away. Great story. He's from, I think, Onalaska, Wisconsin. I'm mispronouncing that. Father's a barber and doesn't really play tennis. He plays football, basketball, baseball, plays tennis in the summer, goes to northern Illinois. Brother, twin brother, Tom. You know, Tim is teaching, I think it's the Kettering Racket Club in Xane, Ohio, and Frank. Hank Jungle, uh, Air Force retiree, believes in him and gets him out on the tour and he climbs up the tour. And it's one of those stories, if he can do it, I can do it. So yeah. then his brother a year later, and they're like, you know, Tim was like 24, gave it a go. And and then Tom, 25. And what happened is Tim, when he was playing for Northern Illinois, went with there with the idea that he's old enough where, went with the idea that he was going to, um, play freshman, um, freshman basketball, freshman tennis, and, and hope to play basketball, but he just played tennis and then the last three years. And he, um, he played Tracy Austin's oldest brother, Jeff, who 
I remember watching him play. He was a really good tennis player. Mm. He was ranked 25 in America. Back in those days, if you were ranked 25 in America, I know my son Connor was ranked 14. I think it's a little bit different ranking mm. um, back in the time where you know had all these top Americans. But nevertheless, so Tim Gullickson, he ends up at Vicks, and I'm just a hitting partner. I mean, you know, I was so fortunate in my life to have so many jobs where I didn't have a speaking part. Where you, know, you don't say anything. You're yeah. you're just lucky to be among us. And so Gideon Arrow's there, and he goes, he just says, you know, and they filmed him and upside down, inside out, and force plates and mm-hmm. digitizing and da da da. Maybe you could do it next time. Talk about the APAS system. But yeah, we can get into that. So. Gideon Earl says to Tim Gollickson, I am going to build a machine that will beat Borg 6-0, 6-0. And Gollickson, both of them are just big-time people, you know, big-time people, people. And, yeah. and uh, so so then, you know, Tim kind of smiles and goes, well, how am I going to do? So Vic, he's, he's got a tape recorder. So I'm, I'm, you know, the pancakes are good, but I'm sitting here with Gideon Earl, Tim Gollickson, but I'm there because of Braden. Mm-hmm. And Braden, who's a psychologist, says, Never listen to a psychologist. Psychology has nothing to do with it. It's physics. Yeah. And that's where, you know, Tim and Vic was like, Tim, you have a car? Yeah, I have a car. Would you drive it across the bamboo bridge? You know, <laughs> you know just to get, get people's attention. Yeah. And, and um, oh, with, Howard, uh, Howard Brody, you know, all the work with Howard. I know Vic was one of the people on his list that, you know, helped the most. You know, on our listeners, no, don't get us wrong. I mean, we... Uh, we're going to interview uh, Jim Lair. I mean, Dennis Vanner was just put in the Hall of Fame. I mean, mm-hmm. I would think that Jim Lair is a shoe in to be in the Hall of Fame with what he's done for the game of tennis worldwide. Yeah. So, but, you know, Vic, you know, Jim would, we have all these private tapes because people would come in and do 10 hour, you know, 15 hour programs and. A tennis tech. A tennis tech. And yeah. Jim Lair. You need strokes. Number one, you need strokes that hold up under pressure. Yeah. Number two, if you don't have that, you can't keep your cool. You, you need, you know, you know, the Lombardi quote: "Fatigue makes cowards of us all." Yeah. So yeah, you need to be, you know, technique, strokes, technique, you and mobility. Fit. You know, yeah. the, the Spanish system. I mean, suffer. Yeah. You just suffer. <laughs> and yeah, that's good. Um, we had we talked about Russian tennis. Uh, Natalia, who we interviewed, she was here with her young daughter for the last week and yeah. you know, she's so right that, you know, if you can't endure physical pain, you will not be mentally tough. Mm-hmm. And then also too, Braden, so many great, we just says things. There's no such thing as a perfect grip, just a grip with the least amount of adjustment. Yeah. Um, if you don't trust your volley, if you don't value volume position, if you don't understand stats, you won't go to the net. <laughs> yeah. Um, you go to the net to lose at a faster rate. Yeah. Um, with, uh, anyway, um, no, I just, you know, you know, where can I go with this? I think if you were to watch, uh, like, say, a Raven Claussen uh, hit balls, he came in, and the, the verb for us uh, to Bradenize by English, hmm. um, we're going to go, we're going to, you know, he was – uh, PJ Domdo, they were both one and two. And, um, you know, PJ had a forehand that was good for junior tennis. And it's like, no, I think you should, you're only, you're only 17 years old. You know, you got to win over Andy Roddick, but you know, they're the same age. And, but I think your forehand's going to break down. You know, why don't you take a solid year, um, 
Glasson went six months, didn't play. Mm. Um, there was a young girl that she ended up having some problems with her back. Um, Larry Secchi, she was there. And I remember one time uh, Raven, he was helping us out. So he's at the Eddie Her and, you know, Liberty's knocking on the door to, you know, have a chance to win it. I think it was the semis and she could just play this tabletop approach shot. And um, with, you know, just taking the ball on the rise and, you know, you, you just, you meet it like a volley, you finish up and, you know, just keep going and going. I mean, we talk about Braden, you got to talk about Kramer. Yeah. I asked Welby Van Horn, he's the same age. They played doubles growing up and, you know, Welby's one of the best players in the world. But I said to him, I said, what was Kramer's approach shot? I said, Braden always says, says that Kramer's approach shot was unbelievable. I said, um, I said, when you hit short against Jack, what was that like? He goes, oh, you just turned to the ball boy and asked him what the score was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Welby was part of that tour. Yeah. Yeah, he was part of that. Um, with, um, but, you know, people, people went slower. I mean, we had a South African mom bring her daughter to us uh, years and years ago, and she said, you are not microwave tennis. Yeah, I mean, you got You've got to go slow, and you know. I think yeah. so many times, uh, education doesn't come into it. You know, I, I just tell a group of kids, "Hey, when you were very young, you didn't just sing the alphabet once. Yeah, it was day after day after day exactly. in the multiplication tables. It's like you took the entire third grade year to yeah. get the multiplication tables down. Well, in motor learning, it's been proven that it's like if you go really slow, it's it's better. You know, when you're learning something, it's like you got to go slow first. Yeah, so you we, can get it down. We had a young gal, um, Cole Reeves, is someone who teaches tennis great. He's got a few players here, four players here that he's taught, and he teaches tennis so well. And but what he's teaching is primarily, you know, he's teaching great pace, and certainly everyone's an individual, and he's got his, he's a bright guy. He's going to put in his own two cents and uh, add to it. I mean, there's. Um, you know, there's certainly knowledge and there's communication. How, how do you communicate the knowledge? Yeah. So that's the art form. And that's where the, you know, the individuality comes in the style. Yeah. But, um, basic strokes. So this young girl, uh, Lannis, uh, ha Hamilton, um, so she has a silver ball and, you know, so, she, you know, but, uh, so she's close, she's close. And, yeah. and, um, but I can't tell you how many times I would call Vic up you know, one of our students would win, um, you know, an NCA title or a USDA title. Even it could be, um, you know, a kid who kid won in Japan or a kid who won in Germany, um, South Africa, whatever country. Because Tennis Tech, the, the network, in some ways it's small, but it's definitely worldwide, mm -hmm. is would call Vic up and the um, say, hey, with... Uh, um, you know, this is where the kid hits the ball really well. I remember years ago, through Vic, I worked with this girl who was a Vietnamese champion. But her coach there in Vietnam, he learned from Vic's book, and he became the national champion. And it was just through the book. You know, I didn't have any direct involvement with Vic. I mean, there's so many stories like that. Ed Faulkner, the late Ed Faulkner, he went to Cornell. And he, he just took courses that would make him a better tennis teacher. To me, and Vic did a great job of this, but it wasn't covered in his book like it was in Ed Faulkner's book. And Ed Faulkner, 
would have pictures of club players in awkward positions mm. and, and what have you. And they, some of that, but not to the same degree. Mm. And uh, Jimmy Arias, his father, worked for Niagara Mohawk, and he taught his son out of Ed Faulkner's book. And Nick Volteri, um, he saw Jimmy hitting balls at a public park and said, hey, kid, yeah, I'm going to start teaching <laughs> everybody at the forehand like that. Yeah. You know, Nick, um, I, you know, I got into tennis uh, you know, with my age when I entered is that how everyone taught back in the day was penny on edge, penny on edge, you know, 180 degree swing. Right. Um, it's gone the other way. Now the grip's too far over. And, you know, but Vic, you, you know, people thought that he was way off when he started saying you closed the yeah. racket face. He was radical. Um, I think one thing you mentioned, uh, you know, the dimensions court, physical laws, but I think really Braden, the theme would be, I mean, it's healthy for adults to disagree, but you have to end the utter nonsense, the utter nonsense with, um, you know, so, you know, ten, tennis teaching, um, you know, wild, weird, wacky world of tennis teaching, um, it needs rhyme and reason. It, it needs rationale. Coming back to what I said about Matt Clore, once again, Vic would say, if you can provide the rationale, yeah, and with um, you know Matt certainly learning the game through his father and his own experiences, um, you know, fit plays well, just knows the game, he's lived the game, um, but to, just to have that as a resource, yeah, and um, but it ha I think really where it needs to start. It's like we talked about Peter Burwash and the upside down triangle. Okay, you're the CEO, Peter, and but you know he can pick up a broom and he he can get his hands dirty. And um, Vic, with uh, going to the, it's really well known. It might be next to Balteri's in this country. It might be the second best known program. Um, Ray Ben is the GM. It's Junior Championship Tennis Center. Is that yeah, right? You, you're mixing me up, but yeah, junior champions. Yeah, we have a student. We have <laughs> we've, we've had a, we've had a couple students here who worked with Mitchell Frank. Mm. I've been introduced to Mitchell Frank. I've watched him play. Um, I know my son Connor. I mean, it was a major accomplishment for my my son Connor. Beat him in the pros the one time they played. My son wouldn't have beat him in the juniors. Anyone to beat him in college. Dennis mm. Kudla, who comes from uh, the program in Maryland, College Park. College Park. Yeah. I believe he's from the Ukraine originally. They said he would, they couldn't get him to stop hitting the backboard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he, anyway, he hits, hits the ball, you know, very well. And, I mean, he's been, what, 50, 60 in the world. So he's hitting with, uh, he's hitting with uh, Nadal. And he's interviewed afterwards. And they go, do you think Nadal is the most mentally tough tennis player in the world? And he goes, no, I think Mitchell Frank is. <laughs> And I mean, Mitchell Frank, he, he won this, he won that in juniors and in college as a freshman, he goes and he just, you know, easily wins the All-American out in Tulsa. Um, but I can remember before Vic passed away, he had gone out there. And yeah. then I ended up being in California. And in all fairness to Mitchell, can you imagine if the guy had really good strokes? Yeah, I remember Vic coming back from College Park and, yeah, just... And you know, I, I won't say. I just remember his feedback. <laughs> well, no, it's like TFO. I have no problem. TFO. I mean, I was around him for two weeks. He's hanging out with my son. They practice, play some doubles, and that guy has absolutely no stage fright. Great for the game. Uh, 
I think he was so emotional. He, he wins enough money where he tells everybody, I'm going to be able to buy my parents a house. And, yeah. and um, he could be a little better on the backhand side. I think it's efficiency, right? I mean, that's really just, we could use that word that Vic used all the time, was just to be efficient so you can reduce injury. And that was always a big part of the research. Um, you know, I know we, we may do three episodes on Vic. I really, my goal for this first episode, it's been an hour and a half here um, already, but really it was just to kind of introduce Vic. You know, there's, I'm sure there's a few people out there that didn't know too much about Vic, but, you know, his background, everything that he did, I mean, we didn't even really get into the research part of it yet with Gideon, you know, the Coda Research Center of, you know, 40 sports, the ski college, um, you know, he was just curious mind and, and wanted to do a lot of different things. So I think we can pick up on a lot of that. Yeah, let's end it there. Let's end it there. And uh, a lot of people ask questions too. There's some questions that we will answer as well. Just things that they want to know about Vic or about our experiences with Vic. I think one thing just to end for me is the motto, laugh and win. I used to tell Vic, uh, I don't get the laugh part. But, you know, that's where you're trying to change kids' character and, you know, change their work ethic. and. You know, that's not a bowl of cherries, and, uh, but laugh and win. Uh, there's just so many things. Uh, I th- think of uh, coming back to, like, Jack Kramer's comment on Gabrielle Sabatini. We talk about that, is that mm-hmm. um, to win and win big. Um, but I don't think it's scoreboard. I think it's like, okay, how can my skills get better? Yeah. How can my – and then, you know, winning's a byproduct of skills. I'll say this at the end, last thing today is that – tonight um confidence comes from winning winning comes from skills skills come from practice and know-how yeah and fat albert uncle vic he had the know-how yeah you know people the question that i got a lot was you know obviously you know what was it like you're so lucky you know spent all that time with vic all those years you know what was it like to work with vic and i usually just tell you know yeah there's the tennis side of things like you just talked about you know and he had the know-how but but on a personal level, you know, it was really just like Vic was the kind of guy that you'd be around and, and just make you want to be a better person. You know, like just the way he talked to people, the way he treated people, like you said, you know, the way he would say things. But, you know, being around Vic, you know, it was special. And you, you, you did have that. It was like it just made you want to be better. I don't know how else to say it. But that's, you know, for me, it would be a good compliment. It would be so, just made you want to be better. You know, again, I've only been around Tom Gullick and did some corporate outings with him. Some uh, out in uh, Hawaii when my son was playing a tournament there. But Tim Gullickson, the Gullies can have a beer, and uh, with uh, two different times with Tim and Gullickson and Vic Braden having a beer. But um, yeah, no, I just think with uh, you know we'll come back to some some key points. But with Vic Braden, if you do your homework, I mean, still with books tape certainly with what we're putting out there um in a, in a in a big way if you know the content you you could learn more away from Vic Braden than with Vic Braden so it's not like well you had to be around Vic every time no that's where he was such a cheer a true pure educator the information is just rock solid is that then you grow with the information yeah you, know, you can talking. use it in different Yes. Yeah. Right. You learn from yourself. You learn from your students. You learn yeah. from your overall experiences, and um, but that's where awareness, acceptance, commitment. Okay, you're you're 
you're being told, okay, the court's 19.1 degrees. Do you accept that? And then are you going to commit to that? Yeah. And then are you going to teach? I mean, the way people are teaching the forehand, I mean, I think that's the way a snake goes down a hole. Yeah. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And But then all you have to do is say ready play. But then we have the problem of the merchant of flesh. You know, the person who's at the weekend tournament, they're handing out the business card. They mm-hmm. haven't taught anybody. You know, they, they're, just a, they're just a great salesperson. And it's just, you know, they, they're hustling, hustling, hustling. And then where, where does it end up? Yeah. Um, does the kid really have the type of game? You know, Braden, is it going to hold water? I mean, will, will they be able to play down the road? Um, fact-based instruction for long-term development. Well, you got to start with facts. Yeah. Vic was about facts. Yeah, he's got the facts. All right. I'm well, out. Yeah. Thanks. thanks for listening to that first episode. We will continue our discussion on Vic Braden next week. And yeah, you can do some homework on Vic. You can, I'm sure there's plenty there online. You can find, like I said, lots of pictures. There are videos that are on, on YouTube that people have put up. Hopefully you got some out of this and some background and you can submit questions. If you'd like to reach out to us on social media, uh, Instagram, you can send me a direct message there. Um, info at greatbasetennis.com. And until next time. Thank you. I hope, I hope these podcasts are helping. Thanks for listening. Laugh and win. Laugh a minute. All right, kids. Ciao.